0: Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Kato Aertz, counsel at Lydian in Belgium. Along with bringing you updates and critical events happening around the world, we are also fortunate to have the chance to dial in our local ELA lawyers that practice on the ground in these jurisdictions and are working daily to help their local clients move through these difficult times. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we are visiting with one of our members in France. Joining our program today is Laure Rosny, Council at Auguste de Laure will be updating us on collective redundancy programs in France.
1: Welcome to the program, Laure. How are you doing today? Hello, Kato. I'm very great, actually, today. I'm very happy to be on this program with you. How are you today?
0: Good, thank you. It's so nice to have you here on the podcast with us. Let's get started because I'm actually quite curious, what are the different procedures applicable to
1: collective redundancy in France? Actually, as you may know, French law is quite complex. So you have many, many procedures applicable. But what you need to know, Kato, is that the applicable procedure depends on the numbers of employees employed by the company and on the number of contemplated dismissal. For instance, for companies about 50 employees contemplating at least 10 dismissals, you will have to apply a very complex and burdensome procedure implying a social plan. And this kind of procedure, for instance, involves the staff representatives and the labor administration. And it's quite costly for companies. Why? Simply because the company shall provide a social plan which includes social measures to support the redeployment outside the company or the group for the dismissed employees. So, you may ask yourself what type of measures. So you can provide for training budgets, specific allocations, create a business, redeployment leave. You have a wide range of possible measures. Now relating to companies of less than 50 employees or when less than 10 dismissals are contemplated, the procedures is less complex, more straightforward, and less costly for employers. Now, a key point is that, of course, you have common rules, okay? The procedures are different, but you can have some common rules. For instance, the redundancy plan shall be justified by valid economic grounds. This is the first thing. Second thing, before terminating an employee on economic grounds, the employer shall investigate all possibilities of finding alternative employment. What does it mean in practice? It means that the company will have to review all vacancies within the group in France and make an offer to the employee to be made redundant. If a company does not comply with these rules, the dismissal may be deemed unfair by a labor court. So this is very important to bear these two key points in mind.
0: Very interesting, Laure. I think French employment law is quite similar to Belgian employment law because we have some burdensome and quite formalistic procedures as well when it comes to collective redundancies. I was wondering if the information and consultation obligations are similar to the Belgian ones. So what we always tell our clients is that before proceeding to collective redundancy, they must first inform and consult with the works council. Is that the same in France?
1: Actually, that's a very good question, Kato. So as a principle, yes. But the scope of the consultation will also vary according to the number of employees and on the number of contemplated dismissal. But for instance, let's say for companies of at least 50 employees and when at least 10 contemplated dismissals, so the procedure is again more complex. So you will have to inform and consult the what we call the CSE which is like the Works Council. I think that you have the same type of representative body in Belgium. So you need to go before the Works Council and you need to consult it on various topics. The first one is on the reorganization project and its consequences, on the collective dismissal project and on the associated social plans, plus on the impact of the project on the employee's working conditions, health and safety. So in other words, the company shall provide the CSO with extensive information. So a thorough documentation shall be prepared, drafted, and provided to the CSO. So from a practical standpoint, the timing for gathering and actually drafting the relevant documentation shall not be underestimated by companies. Because what I know is that normally to draft all this, of course, it depends on the As we we said earlier, the number of contemplated dismissal, but normally by experience, the drafting phase lasts like from one to two months. And the CSO shall have all the information on the project to be in a position to provide its opinion at the end of the consultation process. So I think it's pretty much the same on your side. It sounds
0: familiar, I must admit. (laughs) And I was wondering, that opinion of the Works Council, is that binding? Do they have some kind of veto power or do they need to approve the collective
1: dismissals? In France, no. So this is actually a good news for companies in France. So even if the CSO is not in favor of the reorganization project, the company can still move forward with its project. So it can still implement its social plan. So no, the CSO's opinion is not binding, but in practice, actually, what you need also to know is that it's quite unusual for staff representative to provide for a favourable opinion on a project. You know that is actually leading to job cuts. But however, what we can see is that the CSO can provide favourable opinion on a social plan, for example, depending on the measure actually that will be provided to employee, and especially when. An agreement is signed with the unions. So all the team, you know, all the staff representatives are actually agree on the measures to support the potential dismissed employees.
0: Well, that's exactly the same as in Belgium. That's the trade-off, right? Of course, they won't agree with the dismissals, but they are looking for a social plan and accompanying measures. This is exactly that. It is, it is. Then that's where it becomes a negotiation, right? And so the procedure implies the implementation of a social plan. Is that mandatory to enter in, into some kind of plan
1: with the unions? No. And this is also a good point for, uh, for companies. So a social plan can be implemented by an agreement with the unions or by unilateral decision of the employer. So in a nutshell, if the company does not reach an agreement with the union, which is actually the target, okay, it can still implement a social plan. But of course... What we say to our clients is that we do recommend to reach an agreement with the union. It's the best solution for employees, for the social climate, and also the procedure with the labor administration is easier, much easier if you reach an agreement with the unions.
0: Yeah, it's, I think, again, similar to Belgium. There is no legal obligation in Belgium to enter into an agreement with the unions, but that's the trade-off. They'll confirm in Belgium whether they've been informed and consulted enough and sufficiently before they'll, they'll do that, they want to have a social plan. So that's basically the same trade-off. But I did hear that is different, I think, is then the procedure with the Labour Administration
1: you mentioned. What is that all about? The procedure with the Labour Administration. So when you have a social plan, so basically when a social plan is required, you need to go before the labor administration and you need to get its approval. So once the consultation with the works council is complete, you need to go to the labor administration and submit your social plan. So the employer cannot implement the social plan before he is in a position to have, you know, the approval from the labor administration. And the labor administration controls the content of the social plan it, for example, assesses the social plan measures according to the company's or to the group's financial means. It also assesses whether the consultation process with the CSO has been duly complied with. And during the whole procedure, okay, you will have some exchange with the labor administration. So the labor administration can, for instance, request a company to include, you know, additional measures because they may think that, no, this is not enough. The effort that the company is making is not enough to protect employment, for example, and to allow an efficient redeployment outside the group so they can ask you for new measures. And what is important to, to bear in mind is that the Labor Administration you know, is not interested in pure, let's say, financial measures, such as additional severance payments. But it really wants the company to find real solution, real solution of employment. So, for example, they prefer that you put money on a training budget rather than on a, you know, one shot sum. So what is also very important to, to keep in mind is that the control of the labor administration is much stronger when there is no deal. Of course, with the unions. So they will control everything. They will, uh, yeah, they will check everything on a very, very uh, detailed way. And in practice, what we can see is that the decision of the labor administration is less challenged before administrative court when an agreement has been uh, actually reached with the unions. And so this is when a social plan is required. But for other procedures, So it depends on the procedure and I'm not going to enter into details, but the labor administration is still there, (laughs) but the employer shall only, you know, inform the labor administration on the project. And also once the dismissal have been notified, so the control, it's not a control per se, the control is, let's say, it's much lighter. There is no formal approval like it is the case for a social plan.
0: Interesting, I think, that the Labour Administration has such powers and can effectively check whether their redeployment efforts. I think that's very interesting also in terms of, let's say, making sure employees actually find a new job instead of taking money home. So that's a good one. And I was wondering, because obviously there seems to be a lot of, let's say, checks and balances. You first have to trade or negotiate with the unions, then you have to go to the Labour Administration. Are you as a company free to choose which employees are made redundant?
1: This is a key question, and our client uh, all the time asking this question because, yeah, they want to be able to choose. But unfortunately, under French law, this doesn't work this way. You cannot do cherry picking. The company shall apply specific rules, you know, for each procedure implying dismissal on economic ground. So to set up a reorganization project. At the French level, the company shall think in terms of job position cuts in specific department, in specific teams, in specific services, but not in terms of individuals. So the rules governing collective redundancy shall be applied in a very objective manner. So in practice, the company will have first to identify the positions to be cut in each department, then define what we call in category professionnel categories of employment such as for example you have the accountant category you have the hr category the legal category it's like uh, you know a family of uh, jobs let's say and uh, you will define them and in each you know let's say family where you have position cut you will have to apply objective criteria defined by law such as length of service Age, difficulty to find another job relating to an handicap, for example, family situation, the number of children, this, the fact that you are single parents. All these criteria will be taken into consideration. They will be applied. And after that, you will know which employee is made to be redundant. So, in a nutshell, is let's say the more vulnerable, fragile employees will be protected. And the employees who have more chances of finding new job will be made redundant. So I know that this is difficult for, for companies to understand this rationale, but this is the way French law works. So I don't know if this is the same for you, you know, in your country.
0: Well, we have to negotiate with the Works Council and, and see what the criteria are to make sure and decide who is made redundant. I think it's less strict than in France, but I, it sure makes sense to look at who is eligible
1: to find a new job on the, on the market. It definitely makes sense. Hmm. But actually, this is the same. In France, you can also, let's say, negotiate on the criteria. I mean, you need to follow this type of criteria, but after that, you can add new ones. You are a bit free, you know, to, ne- to negotiate on that. But this needs to be objective. And this is not relating to the person and to a profile or skills. No. This is objective. Exactly. That's that's the same in Belgium. It can, of course, not be discriminatory. You need to
0: be able to explain why you choose one o- employee over the other. Makes sense. Exactly the same. This
1: is exactly well, it seems the like
0: same. our countries are geographically mm-hmm. close to each other, but we're also, in in terms of legislation, the employment law legislation, when it comes to collective redundancies, quite similar. So it's been a very interesting and engaging discussion, Lourdes. Thank you so much for your time.
1: You're welcome. It was a pleasure to chat with you. If you'd
0: like to connect with Laure, please click on her bio in the description of this podcast. Also, search the ELA website at ela.law, where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Kato Arts, and thanks for listening.